Magpie Mauling, a Patrick Dangerfield purple patch, advances the Cats to yet another preliminary final. The Long Haul are the Tigers set to be the first team since the 2015 Hawks to win ultimate glory, doing it the hard way. We'll try and split these two heavyweight battles as ex-West Coast Eagles defender Mitch Brown joins us on the Centre Square podcast. And I declare the winner of the 2019 Brownlow Medal, Nathan Park of the Fremantle Football Club. Shade from the mountain. Needs to be his perfect He's From inside the centre square, boys kick the goal. Boys kick the goal. Welcome back to the Centre Square Podcast. I'm Ethan Roth. Great to be bringing it to you on 91.3 Sport FM, your football headquarters. This is about our 45th Centre Square episode, counting back. Um, so we're slowly getting towards re- uh, raising the bat, um, which will probably happen next year. Of course, the Centre Wicket program sets to resume in the meantime. Bray Lovridge is also here. And Bray, the Cats, they made a real statement, didn't they? And I suppose Richmond did as well. Um, what did you make of the two semi-finals? St Kilda and the Pies a bit too um, tight, or were the other sides just too good? Do you think? Yeah, yeah, great to be here, Ethan. Uh, yeah, well, the Friday night game, Richmond St Kilda, it, was, it could have been a close. It was looked pretty close, but uh, St Kilda just couldn't convert um, from when I was watching. And then yeah, Saturday night, that was a blowout, wasn't it? Uh, Collingwood. <laughs> Oh nowhere! It kind of annoys me because West Coast probably could have had yeah. a better chance. Oh. They would have done better, I think. Yeah, it's, it's you know it's hard to say, um, but yeah, they probably would have done better. But yeah, they could have made it a more interesting game. It, it is a bit disappointing, you know. The first week of the finals was so close, and the the week the weekend just gone. Um, the St Kilda one wasn't like a blowout, you no, know. It wasn't. St Kilda couldn't were, convert. Yeah, they just I they think they like just, eleven behind. They ran out of legs um, in the end as well, and I think yeah, Richmond. I think you know. I we probably all felt that they're always going to think um, run away with it. I think St Kilda had more scoring shots. Mm. It was they kicked like 5-11 to, yeah. I don't know what, was it 9-5 or something? Yeah, well, it's, Ma- it's pretty, oh, it's pretty si- I close. remember Max King, he missed a crucial, crucial set shot yeah. right in front. Yeah. Um, he's just one of the many to, to miss. But um, yeah, I think the Saints, they're still, they're going to be good next year. I think that's, it's a good yeah. sort of momentum um, good stepping ladder. They've so. all got experience in finals now, mm. so they can build on it next year. Yeah, and Jack Steele, he came away with the uh, best and fairest for the Saints. Um, yeah, we do indeed have Mitch Brown joining us shortly, the ex-Eagle, of course, who's living in Victoria uh, these days. He's often forgotten about, but um, a very handy defender with that stacked West Coast uh, defence, and that's why we thought we'd get him on. We uh, flicked him the message, I think last year we got into contact with him, but um, yeah, he's keen to join a wide variety of guests um, that we've had both this year and last year on the show. Anyway, Bray, who's in strife for... Who's on the in strife list for this week? Yeah, well, two uh, sort of big names in the AFL uh, and a team. Uh, we've got Jordan Goey, a high-profile player, as we all know, who can win matches off his own boot. But the gap between his best and worst footy is way too much. And then Collingwood are probably paying a bit too much for him mm. with 800k, especially when uh, he finished eighth. Well, his highest BNF finish was 8th in 2018. Yeah, so on his only f- top 10 finish in s- his six years at the Pies. Yeah. And he's, he's struggling to get a manager as well because his, da- his dad's managing it at the moment, which, you know, it's not ideal. 
his, you know, for his dad to be in charge of that when he's not like a, you know, an accredited sports agent or manager, I guess. Yeah. Then second off, we have Bradley Hill, another spectacular talent, but has not had his first year that he would have wanted with the Saints at the Hawks. He won three flags. He had Mitchell Lewis feeding the ball to him. And at Frio, he had Fife and Mundy and Neil uh, to give him on the outside. But uh, it's just footy's been a bit more contested in 2020 and it hasn't really sat with him well. Yeah, well, as a winger, um, you know, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't like going in for the ball. He likes to get out the on the outside, yeah. use his run. Um, and there was like a couple of uh, points that, cases that they pointed out with him like on the weekend he just didn't want to go in for the ball he was trying to toe poke soccer instead which you know cost them hurt them um but i think he'll come good like you know we saw what he yeah. did at Frio and say um the hawks very very good player so because he had he had like a bad first year at Fremantle with some off field issues i'm pretty sure didn't he was that oh uh, he did win a best and fairest at Frio. he had some he had some mm. off field issues early for his free yeah. career and the good and thing with him, he's not like he's pretty good with his like injuries and stuff. He's still only yeah. twenty, about twenty-seven. So I think he will come good. He's on about nine hundred k yep. as well. So just settling in, he'll mm. be good. He'll be yeah, good come next year. And then lastly, last of all, we've got the Essendon list management, and we won't touch on the trades and delistings too much, as we'll most likely have a trade table trade table segment in our season review. Uh, but the recruitment and list management at the Bombers have some work to do. Uh, Joe Danaher wants to be a Brisbane Lion. Arazio Fantasia wants to go to Adelaide. And Adam Saad wants to be a Blue. Mm. And looks like they've lost a bit of faith in the Dons, those couple of guys. Yeah. Imagine he putting Danaher in that forward half of the Lions. <laughs> Two big left footers. Yeah. be interesting. That'd be a pretty dominant forward line. Mm. It'd be hard to... Squeeze. Cameron as well in there. Yeah, it'd be hard to squeeze them all in because they got McStay, who's like another tall yeah. forward as well. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I know, you know, Essendon, they re-signed McGrath, Jordan Ridley, their best and fairest, also re-signed today. And I think Merritt, sort of, it's a bit up in the air, but it looks like that'll get done. But, yeah, yeah it just doesn't look like a place people want to be at the moment, does it, Essendon? Yeah, same with... Uh, oh, it's always been Adelaide in the last mm. couple of years, but... Yeah, it's yeah. just like a cl- the club is sort of falling. Maybe mm. it's the John Worsfold going out or knowing what it would be, but yeah. something's happening. Yeah, well, he obviously left. Ben Rutten's there, so um, yeah, you know, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't have too much, too many expectations on them in twenty twenty one. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's not ideal for them, is it? No. So um, the tips now heading into week three of the finals, preliminary final week. Nothing much has changed, to be honest, on the, the leaderboard. I'm still on one out of six. I've been taking some risks. Um, Collingwood definitely hurt me. Um, and Cal, two out of six, sort of similar. Bray, you're on four out of six, so, you know, you're doing reasonably well. Yeah, two in the first week and then two in the last week. I was pretty confident in Geelong mm. they got up. Yeah, Luca, five out of six, and Noah... The perfect so far six out of so the six. two that were last for almost the whole season have come mm. out in the finals and now they're dominating. Not sure how that <laughs> how that's worked. The uh, postseason form is definitely yeah uh, come out. It's probably not. It's guys. probably not a true reflection <laughs> on uh, how we sort of you know who's good at tipping because you yeah, know exactly it's been basically flipped around. But um, Port Adelaide versus Richmond, Adelaide Oval Friday night. 
some notes. Uh, Port Adelaide's first prelim since 2014, and if any team could do it the hard way, I reckon it can be Richmond. Um, hard to split these two, though. Todd Marshall and Xavier Dersma, the young power. Joey looked uh, ready to go. Dersma had a, a nasty knock, I think, he, to his head, and yeah. um, Marshall had his, something happen to his shoulder. But I reckon it's a big game for Jack Rewalt. He's gone missing lately. Uh, only four disposals on the weekend. He's lucky he's got Tom Lynch, who didn't get anything for his knee, to Dougal Howard. Yeah. But uh, who do you think will win this brand, uh, be the first team to reach the grand final? Well, it's going to be a great game. No matter what side wins, it's going to be a good game. But I'm going to back in Port. Got the home crowd of mm. 25,000, whatever it is, over there. Um, but yeah, I, they looked pretty good against Geelong two weeks ago. So I'm going to back them in. I'm going to go Richmond. I just... I, yeah, I do hope Port win because they haven't been in the grand final since 2007 and I think that's the last time they yeah, obviously got belted by Geelong of that. Um, yeah. And just for Ken Hinckley's sake as well because he has copped a lot. Um, well, he should be copping a lot. Minor premiers and made it mm. to a home prelim final. Yeah. So, but Yeah, I'm just going to tip Richmond. I don't know, they, they do have experience and I don't know, I just, I, I'm not going to be upset, you know, if they don't win. But yeah, for, for the tipping, I'm, I think... My heart feels like they're gonna they're gonna get over the line. Cow's gone port, and uh, Noah and Luca have to go Richmond as the away teams. Yeah, they haven't got their tips in, so that they're gonna gonna be. Uh, oh, Noah's gonna be on seven. Mm. So <laughs> if they win, so and they're yeah. going favourites. So and then second game, Brisbane versus Geelong, Gabba Saturday night. This is probably, you know, they're both very two very close games, but I would say um, the Brisbane-Geelong one may be a slight bit sort of not as close, you know, because but you never know, Brisbane and Geelong, um, you know, I think it would be a very good match-up. But the result, um, it could be dependent on how much Patrick Dangerfield spends in the fourth, fourth half. Now, Bray, your Brad, uh, Chris Scott, are you putting Dangerfield forward or midfield? Where are you starting him? Starting him in the midfield. Starting him in the midfield? Yeah. But you can always move him forward. Mm. So obviously kick four goals. Yeah. Uh, on Saturday. But yeah, I'd definitely start him in the midfield. Yeah. Um, oh, we've said, I said this a couple of weeks ago that um, there was a game, can't remember who it was against, but uh, he was playing in the forward line. Geelong was sort of getting dominated mm. and close to losing and they chucked it back in the midfield and they kicked two goals in like yep. two minutes. Yeah. So you've got to start him off there and once you're sort of comfortable... With you the lead and chucking forward, I guess, and try build on that. Yeah, you've got to have your best players in the midfield. It's basically you know where the game's won and lost, yeah. and um, I think talks of Jared Berry matching up on him on him in the midfield, but because you know he's such a weapon when he goes forward. Darcy Garner's likely to match up on him uh, in the fifty, but the Cats they did have the better of Brisbane in the last encounter when they kicked nine or ten uh, consecutive. T- second quarter goals um, however the Lions they'll take confidence from that one point win late last year you might remember it for the Lincoln McCarthy um, mark and <laughs> the crowd they were going absolutely nuts that day so yep. they'll be hoping that helps them this time around as well yeah, Who, that, that wasn't a final that was just it a wasn't a final normal game on felt a like Saturday it probably but felt like a final yeah. for the players didn't it yeah but did they match up on the finals last year no, I don't think they no, did. No, they didn't because no. Brisbane was yeah, yeah, Brisbane was Richmond and then they went out straight sets against yeah. the Giants. So, so Yeah, it's going to be a belter no matter what. Who do you think's going to get the cop the W? It's hard. Well, Geelong, that, they said all of that. We want to have our home game at the Gabba. 
They did. They dominated. So you could say this is sort of like a neutral game in a sense. Mm. But with the home crowd of Brisbane, you're going to have to back them in. And they did look pretty good against the Tigers and they got a bit feisty in week one. Yeah. I'm going to go Brisbane as well. And Geelong, they're going to probably, in my opinion, lose another preliminary uh, final. So I actually don't mind seeing either of these sides in the mm. grand final, but I would rather Brisbane. Yeah. But I'd definitely rather yeah. play Adelaide over Richmond. I don't want to see yeah. Richmond win again. I don't either, but I still think <laughs> they'll win. Yeah. Um, but it would be good to see, a, I reckon it would be good to see a Port Adelaide-Brisbane grand final. Two teams, you probably, you yeah. wouldn't really see in a, a grand final. I know, you know, like they met in a 2004 grand final, I know, because um, that was when Brisbane, uh, Port Adelaide ruined Brisbane's uh, four premierships in a row. Yeah. But um, yeah, and the other boys, Cow's gone Brisbane and of course, because Geelong is the, is yeah. the named and, you know, they are... Didn't get a home preliminary final with the uh, Geelong or the away yeah. team. So you see, I saw. I woke up this morning and I saw that they're delivering the goal square from the MCG up to the Gabba to chuck at that in the the goal square. What do you mean? What do you mean? They, 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 they've they've dug up dug the up. goal square at the MCG. Why? And they've chucked it in a truck and they're going to take it to the Gabba and put it in the Gabba. Have you not seen that? <laughs> no, but why? I don't. What's to have a bit of the MCG at the Gabba for the <laughs> final day. That's what it is for. But I think it will be in for this weekend. Where have you got this source from? It was is on. It was on the news this oh, morning. Okay, news. It was on the. It was on Sunrise, and uh, Jack Gunston was there when they were digging it up, doing an interview. Okay. So it, it's legit. So the truck is on its way to the Gabba, and I think it will be in for the game on Saturday night. Yeah. <laughs> That's. <laughs> I, I was like, what is the point? Yeah. Well, I'm, I, don't, I can't even believe that I'm speechless. But um, <laughs> yeah, we've completed part one. I just want to quickly say, Cal, Cal Levy is going to hate me for this, but congratulations to Taylor Adams, former yep. guest of the show, yep. one of the best in Ferris last night. He's been invited to. He's one of the I think only twenty players to um be invited to the Brownlow live stream, which you know obviously you have to be in within a chance. All Australian. It's just a, a great year from him. So is that, uh, is that happening on Zoom? They're all going to yeah. be on Zoom in their suits. I'm not sure. I know there's a... Going a bit off track a bit here, but I know there's like a thing that 7AFL might be doing. It's like a you dress up in your suit yeah, or whatever. Backyard hashtag Brownlow. Backyard Brownlow or something. Yeah. And then you obviously do the hashtag and post it. And I think they're yeah. going to the pick the best one. So we might have to do that. Yeah, pack, pack the suit yeah. for Sunday night. Look look out for uh, the Centre Square tweets. But um, <laughs> it's time to chat to Mitch Brown now. Here's some commentary. Doing his best. Gets to the wing, Brown. And Courage takes the mark. He just came back with the fly of the ball beautifully. On the phone talking to us now, pick number 16 in the 2006 AFL Draft. 94 games for the West Coast Eagles from 2007 until the end of 2016. Rising star nominee in 2009. 2012 Chris Mainwaring medal as the best clubman. Mitch Brown, welcome to the Centre Square Podcast. Thanks for your time. How are you? Yeah, good guys. Thank, thanks for having me. And um, <laughs> Seems like a long time ago, 2006. Um, remember that draft? Um, the Eagles just won their flag, and I was that pumped. I had uh, highlight little frosted tips in my head, and um, yeah, a lot's changed since then. So, but um, it's nice to I didn't didn't realise that I achieved some of those things that I did. Um, not not much, not too much, but um, happy to have a chat to you guys. It's, um, yeah, it's been four years since I finished up, so any, any reason to talk about footy and my time with the Eagles, I'll take it. 
Yeah, absolutely. So you are back over there. Um, it's been about four years since the part in the Eagles, and some probably some people still probably think you're in Perth. Even we did, I think, last year messaging <laughs> you saying are you available to come into the studio. Um, before we get into your yeah. career, you've um, recently become a, a dad. Congratulations on that. Uh, how's life over there? Yes, thanks, thanks, mate, for that. There's um, a little little boy, um, Bowie. Um, we've named him, and, and he's just ticked over six months old. So it's been an absolute delight um, here in Melbourne. Um, obviously, with the, the restrictions that we're under at the moment with the coronavirus stuff that's going on, um, it's sort of been, in, in a couple of respects, it's been bad, but then in the same, same kind of. Um, the way you look at it, it's been a blessing. So I, um, unfortunately, I've worked in student travel um, to run these overseas leadership programs for school kids. And, um, obviously, being not allowed to travel and working with schools, that um, that came to an end. Um, but it allowed me more time um, to spend with my little little baby boy, which has been been awesome. Um, to, to be honest, guys, it's um, to paint the picture over here in Melbourne. It's, um, I mean, like early days, we, we've basically been in lockdown since since early March. Um, we sort of temporarily came out of it for a couple of weeks um, around June, but then went straight back into it into stage four, and and um, oh, it's pretty grim. Um, it's like the novelty of the early lockdown wore off, and then just to see, I guess, not painting the picture too grim, but Melbourne's slowly dying with the businesses and the restaurants, and mm. just everyone. Um, livelihoods have been infected in some some way, shape or form. So um, mate, looking forward to, to getting getting out of restrictions, but in the same token being grateful for sort of the, the things that we do have and, and it's been a nice time to not getting too deep here guys, but a nice time to reflect on your life so far and, and the things that really are important and um, you know using the time to, to reshape and, and move forward into to the the next little bit of our lives as, as parents. So, um, as always, and, and things, and oh, I've learned this from my foot career, which I'll touch on it a little bit, but um, I tend to, you know, when, when things go wrong or you get through a tough time, yeah, you, you've got to grieve, you've got to grieve it and, and feel sorry for yourself for a little bit, but then it's about sort of drawing the positives from it and, and what you can learn from it. So, when it happens again, and it will happen again, it's, you know, it's the way of human life is. There's always ups and downs that you, you can sort of learn from the experiences you've had before and and, and draw from it and, and come out of it in a positive way. So, not going too deep there, guys, but that's um, that's where we're at at the moment. But um, really enjoying being a dad. I always wanted to be a dad um, for, for a long time. So, um, his, his little Bowie loves the footy. Um, so, I just missed out on the father and son for the Eagles. So... <laughs> Um, we yeah. had a great between myself and my wife who was a netballer in, in the West as well. Um, it would have been a nice little father-son pick-up, but yeah. um, just missed out with 94 games yeah. or something like that. Six games off, so, but yeah, we're, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're pretty uh, fortunate over here in Perth, um, you know, pretty lucky, everything's kind of gone back to, to normal, but um, yeah, glad you're you're enjoying um, fatherhood, but yeah, Bray, we'll start off with the, uh, get onto a bit of the footy now. Yeah, so what are your memories growing up in Ballarat with twin Nathan? who went on to win a flag with Collingwood and finished up at the Saints. Uh, did, th- did that make footy a bit more fun uh, in the backyard with uh, having someone to practice with, even though he was into his basketball? And does he ever get stuck into you about not having a premiership next to your name? 
Well, the, the first thing that the premiership stuff, he, he never never really got into me about that kind of because that I'm pretty sure that same year that he won the flag in 2010. Um, the Eagles, we, we were rock bottom. We yeah, wooden spoon. Yeah, I'm pretty, pretty sure. So, like, I was kind of, you have your premiership, I've got my wooden spoon. That's, um, that's, that's the way we looked at it, weirdly enough. But um, I remember um, my, my grandpa. Uh, my late grandfather, grandfather he used to just love, he used to record every single game and he absolutely loved the, the fact that Nathan won the flag and was able to hold, hold the cup up in, in 2010 and he used to get, his grandpa's dude, they had no filters and um, he used to get into me about it all the time. I'm like, Grandpa, you play off a little bit. Um, but in terms of, um, I, was, I remember that day, it was, it was amazing. I just got back, it was obviously the double uh the drawn grand final and you know, they got another chance to do the, do the grand final the week later and the first grand final was actually on the Eagles footy trip in um, Cancun in Mexico and <laughs> I remember watching the um, the grand final on TV and I was like thinking what am I doing what am I doing I should be back watching they play grand final and yeah. um, fortunately enough it was drawn so I got an opportunity so I managed to get back and, and um, it, it goes down as it's weird. People ask me, what was the fondest memories of um, your free career? And, and one of my fondest memories is actually not as a player itself, as a spectator. And, and it was, was when Nace, because um, Nace wasn't meant to play that game, those grand finals. He got dropped and then came in as a late change for uh, Simon and Preston Chicomo. Yeah. rest is history. But um, I, one of my, the, the fondest moment of my footy career was um, seeing Nace in that lap of honour with him winning a premiership in it felt like you know I was part of that and it's really as identical twins you kind of feel, feel as one sometimes and um, and that was my fondness I, mean, I felt like I achieved something too and I guess that's just having that empathy for your twin brother as twins do but going back to our childhood we um, we obviously loved our footy Nate was a good Colton supporter I was a Collingwood supporter mad Collingwood supporter loved Gavin Brown obviously the same same last name that is um, I did have <laughs> I love like the Eagles in '94 and like seeing Glenn Jackovich and Worsfold like the big, remember their big muscles and um, and everything um, that those guys had um, had all their footy cards and um, but I was a mad kind of supporter and, but we we did our did our odd kick and have fun we had we grew up in sort of west of Ballarat so we had a bit of property Dad put up some um, plumbing PVC piping as goals and we do our snaps and just play one-on-one and being competitive and, and things like that. So we just loved it. But um, we were always basketball. And we did rowing and those kind of things. So it's, it's not until we um, got into to high school and um, our school at the time, it's a pretty reputable footy school here in Victoria and um, St. Pat's. And, and one of our, our, our teachers and our, and our life mentors now, Howard Clark, wanted to get us involved in the first 18 years to, the senior footy team at St. Pat's just because we were tall and we were all right at basketball. And, um, so we, we decided to do it and then um, we kind of got captured into the, the AFL pathway from there. Two years later, we will drafted. So, um, I mean, back then, recruiters loved sort of, I guess, raw talent. Um, I remember we went to, we got invited to an AIS camp with Jack Revolt um, and Kurt Tippett and, and a few others sort of coming across from um, Jack Rebo, as he, but um, Kurt Tippett from the basketball background too. And um, 
that was the, the in vogue thing to recruit um, guys with talent from other sports to try and switch them over. Um, I think as the likes of Scott Kenilbury did um, a couple of years before us. So fond memories of growing up and, and footy in Ballarat. So, um, yeah, obviously growing up in the country and um, doing all having a bit of fun and, and just we absolutely loved our footy. So we, but it was never really a dream to play AFL footy. Kind of, it was always basketball, and then that kind of changed in those two years before we got drafted. It was like, oh wow, we're actually going to get drafted here. We're going to play play league footy. So, so it was good fun memories, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we yeah we see basketball as often good football players as well, and vice versa. So getting drafted, um, you said it wasn't you know a big dream but you know it's usually every kid's dream and, and West Coast took you with pick 16 in the 2006 draft obviously it's a massive change to move over to the West um, a place where I imagine you wouldn't have known a, a heap of people how quickly did you have to grow up and how did being a West Coast Eagle sit with you? That was um, yeah who's who's so Nate got drafted it was a Saturday I remember we were listening on the radio and Nate got drafted a couple of picks before me to Collingwood and that was great and we sort of held our celebrations until um, I got drafted a couple of spots later. And um, to be honest, like, I didn't fear it. Um, I knew that there was a possibility, a very real possibility of, of being able to going to play footy in the state. Um, and I was just that pumped to just get drafted and be part of the system. I couldn't care where where it was. I was actually, I went to the grand final in Sydney, the Eagles grand final in 06 as well. And, um, I remember <coughs> giving um, Bo Waters and Ash Anson high fives as they were going around celebrating and the, the, the lap of honour. And little did I know, I'd play the very next game in my first game, round one, the following year. Um, so, but, but being drafted, I, I sort of jumped on the plane the next day, never been to WA, hardly been on a plane. And um, yeah, had to jump in. And and I, I remember, and I was still 17 at the time, and I just finished year 11, so had to organise Year 12 um, in Perth. And, um, I remember the, the first time, got picked up from the airport and um, uh, Ian Miller, the play development, um, great, great Ian, Ian Miller, picked us up and, and went to the footy club for the first time. And um, That weekend, um, yeah, unfortunately, ben, Benny Cousins got arrested at Crown Casino, if you guys can remember. Um, yeah. It just being uh, drunk and disorderly on the on the sort of the south bank there, and um, there was a bit of media attention. And one of my first memories of the footy club was um, not the actual footy club itself, and was getting um, a ger- couple of journalists put a microphone in my mouth as soon as I stepped out of the car from the airport. Knew nothing, and um, started to ask me all these questions about Ben, and, and um, <laughs> then they hit up my mum who was with me by my side, saying. What do you think about your son going into a, a, um, going into a team that has players that are doing this? And that was, unfortunately, that was my first memory of the footy club. And then, obviously, from there, um, the guys just took us in. And, and you know, they, um, I mean, we can, we can talk about this stuff as well, but they, um, they, the guys, they, they were amazing and, and they were... The, the top players in the, in the league, some of those guys that we walked into, and um, they took us in with open arms and, and you know, really taught some of us young guys um, 
Terry McKenzie, Will Schofield, who also got drafted the same year as me. Um, Scott Selwood, if you can remember, Mick Nanil, we were all young. Um, drafted in those those first uh, those first couple of years of my career, and they really helped to shape how to how to train and train hard and, and those kind of things. So um, it was really cool to learn from them. Obviously, the off field stuff is no there's no hiding from that. There were some issues and um, so huge issues and. And for us, for us as a footy club, the community tends to forget that most of the guys who are some of the amazing leaders leaders in that group, Darren Glass, Matt Prittis, um, Adam Selwood, um, so Ash Anton and, and the likes, that really, they, they were amazing people and, and got us through that, that little rough period. Um, we often tend to not talk about the amazing effort of those guys, those leaders within the group, we always tend to look at back at the time a tarnished, so-called tarnished premiership that obviously Robert Walls wrote an article about that and, and those kind of things. So um, for me to walk into that environment, obviously a winning culture and um, but some other issues, um, but a high-performance culture. And um, as a 17-year-old, and I just learned so much, um, not only about footy, but about life and, that I still take with me today, um, you know, as a, as a young parent as well, and the way I want to father my, my child and those kind of things. So, um, for me, it was, it was daunting, but the way the footy club supports young guys and uh, young women now um, mm. to be able to, to to travel as a young young person across the, the other side of Australia and still supported, I had a beautiful host family that, that the club set me up with. They're still very close with today, um, John and Cheryl. And they helped me to create my network and support network over there outside of footy, um, which becomes really so so important um, to your on-field performance, but to your overall well-being. Um, those early days, that if, if you look at it, um, it was challenging in one respect. You get all a lot of support, but you know, I go as a 17-year-old country boy, and I was playing backyard cricket, and and um, and and those kind of things as a young young country boy in Ballarat and then suddenly I'm, I'm working with grown men mm. and 30 year olds and, and that so it's a bit of a huge cultural change for me um, yeah. and for, for young guys coming into that system but the way that the footy club support, supported me and, and supported the other guys around us um, yeah we were able to, to, to navigate um, the challenges that face all young guys and, and, and girls now that um, when they, they jump into the AFL system yeah, it's definitely improved the, the way they transition. And um, we're just amazed that you were at, still at school when you were drafted. That's it's rarely seen. <laughs> I, I tried to, boys, I tried to, I actually tried to go to, it's funny, I, um, I, my brother, Nate, who's back in Victoria, he tries to do this in education, which is homeschool. Um, he, him and Ben Reid was doing that here at Collingwood. And I chose not to do that. I was like, right, because that was going to be over two years. And I said, no, I'm going to jump into school. I'm going to try and do footy in school. Uh, whilst you know, knock it over and um, and then focus on my footy. And then I jumped in and got organised. Uh, went to a really cool school, John 23rd. I know if you boys you probably know John 23rd. Yeah. And um, went in there and I lasted four days. I lasted four days. Um, the first day I rocked up, it was a casual clothes day. and that, <laughs> I was a big guy. I was, I was 17 and I was a bit older than everyone as well, the, the year 12. And, and um, I think it was 18 by that time, and 
um, they thought I was a school teacher, so I, got, I was like, I don't know where I was going. I had to go with the students, and then the teachers were like, oh, they come with me. I, we, we're going, they, I went to the staff room for the staff meeting, and I was like, oh, maybe they're going to introduce me as the footballer. I, I don't know. And then um, we're all in casual uniform here as well, um, casual clothes, so they didn't have the school uniform to sort of tell that I was a student. And then um, I walked out, and I was like, hang on, they thought I was a teacher. And, um, and then the next day after that, um, it's just... I had back then, um, but it's funny, the mullets are coming back into the vogue in AFL footy now, or in society in general, and back then you had Ben Cousins and Adam Hunter um, had these huge mullets um, in 06, 07, and, and us young fellas, we decided to grow them as well, and um, my, third, my second day at John 23, they told me to cut it, and that was, I was just like, nah, enough's enough. Um, so the third day, I pretty much, um, and I'm embarrassed about this, <laughs> They had um, study periods, and the study periods wasn't, you couldn't just leave and get to study in the classroom. Um, so I don't know why they were calling sort of three periods at a time, but I remember that <laughs> putting my hand up and um, in the middle of the study period and going, oh, so, so, um, sorry, sir, can I go to the bathroom? And grab my book, grab my pencil case. I could drive back then and um, just left the classroom, jumped in the car, and the rest of history I never came back. <laughs> um, so, so that was my time at John 23rd I was in the same same class as the match before um, as well um, but he was yeah, hadn't, was drafted by then yeah. um, but then I ended up opting to do um, just an education so I finished my year 12 basically taught myself over two years um, so yeah but in hindsight it would have been a fun year to, to complete amazing school John 23rd mm-hmm. and I would have had some fun I just sort of was dealing with everything else that was going on as you do when you first jump into an ASL system and jumping into a new school and those kind of things I just didn't want to deal with it and, and back then too I was lucky enough to play um, in the ones early in my career so I was kind of going well like how good footy why do I even care about school um, and hindsight's a wonderful thing as a young person that's what you genuinely think you think that oh, well, I don't need school I don't need to work ever just, I'll just be a footy player forever um, so that's yeah <clears throat> That's the way that went. But I did finish my year 12, so much of my mum's um, um, advice and, and doubts and those kind of things, she was wrapped that I finished it finally, mm. two years later. Yeah, pretty pretty hectic. Yeah, mm. yeah of course. Um, often you were riddled by injuries, including an ACL in 2008 during a match in Albany. Tell us about overcoming uh, those issues in your body to bounce back to in 2009 to play 19 games and earning yourself a Rising Star nomination. Um, yeah, the, the the injury sort of part, and this is where I spoke about this the start of the, um, the start about the what can you learn from from experiences in terms, and even the ones that, are, that you know involve trauma or, or a tough time and. 2008 was that summer, so like as, a, as a young player, I was lucky enough to, as I said, I already mentioned, I was lucky enough to play um, games in my first season, and, and I felt that that going into that pre-season of 08, um, before I, I, I ruptured my, my ACL in that, that NAB Cup game um, in, in February 2008, I was ready for a big pre-season, I felt like I've had a little bit of taste of AFL footy, I knew what the expectations were on, on being a, a team player in the ones and, and the good expectations of myself and um, had a really good pre-season, I was ready to, to really get on with my career in 2008 and then and suddenly out of the blue, you, yeah, I just went up for a mark in that game and um, and 
just the footing went the wrong way and, and hyperextended my knee. And at the time, it's, you know, when you do your knee reconstructions, you can see people that go down with a screaming um, heap. And um, my, I didn't really know what was going on. There was no pain. It just felt like my knee wasn't connected properly. And um, I ended up playing in the last half. And I was in the second quarter and I played in the last half on Anthony Rocker because uh, we played Collingwood at the time. And um, I remember going to Rocker. I was like, mate, I can't. Because they, they obviously knew me through Nace. And um, I was like, mate, I, I can't. Something's wrong with my knee. I can't really run. I can't move. Whatever. And he goes, right, Mitch, we'll, we'll sit back. Because he, 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 was, he was old enough. He was, he was already counted in the ones. He didn't have to impress. And he said, let's go back to the... the um, let's go back to the... the Full forward area in the goal square, and we'll just we won't move. And all I did was sit on Anthony Rocker for that for that the last half, and we did not move. Played the rest of the game, um, and then the next day, it's like, no, nah, something's not right. Got a scan, and then um, you find out suddenly you, you have all this anticipation. And the the thing about the knee reconstruction and why it's such a, a huge injury in AFL footy is the, the longevity of the, the time you're on the sidelines and. Um, like, you, you get back from them. Everyone gets back from their knee, knee surgeries and, and those kind of things. But it's for 12 months to the sidelines. And, um, that, that really shocked me. And you, you go from, from playing those games in that first year of my career and then suddenly just go to nothing. And you're like, well, what do I do now? So, um, yeah, it, it, you know, it did impact me. And I was young too. Um, so, like, later on in my career, when I did my second knee in my second last season. Mm-hmm. Um, comparing sort of what I learnt and, and as a 19 year old doing a knee and dealing with setbacks to I guess like a, a 27 year old 28 year old um, you just you just it's just totally polar opposites in the way I dealt with it um, and when I was young I sort of was like oh, well that's alright I'll, I'll just miss out and um, I won't be too diligent or, or whatever and 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 um, on your rehab and um, you're young you're, you're fine and then the second time you're like you're like I need a you later in your career and you, you sort of grieve it as I said at the start and then you, you get onto the positive things and, and then you go how how can you have an impact and, and that's what I kind of sort of realised over my footy career was like if I can't have an impact I'll try my best when I put that jumper on I was proud a proud Eagles player and I, I live and die for that footy club on, on the field and but sometimes my, my best wasn't good enough and, and that's okay and and as far as I trained my, my, my heart out <clears throat> but if, if I couldn't have an impact on the field and if it was true injury or whatnot I'd try and have an impact off the field and um, through other stuff getting out seeing schools seeing other people um, that was really my mantra um and I, I guess in in, in twenty um, when I did my second one, that was the, my real focus. It was like I, I want to leave a legacy this footy club, and, and I, I believe I can have an influence on this footy club. And if it's not on field, I'm going to have one off it. Um, and and it's about sort of supporting the teammates and being a really club club person. And um, and a lot of that stuff gets unnoticed. Um, but again, you don't do things to, to get notice or achievements and. Um, and those kind of things, and having having injuries that over my career, and um, you do you, you, what happened to me, and this is a weird way to look at it, but I every time I had a setback, 
mean, a lot of those times were injuries. I, I, I grieved it. I felt sorry for myself. And then I saw it as an opportunity to grow as a person. And, and then I got excited about that. And I was like, wow, here's another opportunity to grow as a person. And I can add to, to who I am. And, and that's going to help me on the field and off the field as well. And, and sometimes we tend to forget as footy players, we get so encapsulated by being in this, this, this purpose to, win, to hold up that Premiership Cup at the end of the year. We tend to forget that there is life after footy and, and you can, for the lucky ones, you play footy like what I did for 10 years and then, then you realise you, you've got another 60 years of life to go, mm. uh, 60, 70 years of life to go. And, and what you can learn from, from that time of uh, footy, you can take into that next next time of your life. And um, for me, I, I learned so much from those 10 years of footy, so, yeah. so much. And, um, and when I look back at my career, they're, they're, the, they're, they're the fond memories I have. Um, and they're the sort of times I go, yeah, it was awesome. But the money, the access to be able to have a good wage and the access to opportunities and play in front of cool people and, and be recognised, that's cool. But how about all these other learning and growth opportunities that I'm going to get um, that I can take on to with me for the next phase of my life? Yeah. Um, it's so I think I digressed there a bit, guys. But I'm no, it's fine. I, with, with my injuries and things like that, the, the more and more I had it, the more and more I learned about myself. And the more I learned about myself, um, I, I found that as a real, real positive thing. Yeah, a bit like bit like our Fraser McInnes who came into the studio. You know, probably wasn't known for his on-field influence, but definitely, you know, um, was very yeah. memorable off yeah. off the field as well. Yeah, I remember there's two guys, Paul Morrison, who was who's, who's my um, wedding celebrant, and myself, and my wife, and he's the, the club chaplain. Um, Morris, a legend, and then the other one's Matt Prius. I remember them both telling me, and you know, you go through times with yourself and. Um, and you go, well, like I'm trying my best. So I still can't crack it into the ones, or you know, I put my heart and soul out there today on the field, but the fans still boo you, and you, you know, you get six goals kicked on you, Buddy Franklin, and I remember <clears throat> um, those guys saying, "You're never going to be defined by football. No one is going to be defined by football. How many touches you've got, you got, you're going to get on that game. You're going to be defined of each the person and." I remember Matt Prittis telling me sort of my last year of footy and he goes, Mitch, like, look, people, people at this footy club, you know, great players come and go. People at this footy club are going to remember um, uh, those players that had an impact on the, the club itself in the, in the locker room, the unseen stuff. And um, we sort of talked about Rowan Jones and Rowan Jones is a whipping boy for a certain there and he was a premiership player and Rowan Jones I remember walking to it when I first got to the club and seeing a guy that was you know you obviously had Juddy and Kerr and, and Cousins and those guys but Rowan Jones just an amazing human that I looked up to no one ever really talked about in the papers and and those guys tend to get forgotten in the public eye but then in the inner sanctum like my era talked about Rowan Jones right until until I finished up in Ten years, and they, the boys still probably tell stories about Rowan Jones. They tell mm-hmm. stories about Fraser McInnes and, and and those types of guys. Those guys really create legacy that, yeah. that leave long lasting impact at footy clubs. Yeah, 
You probably didn't settle as a key defender until the early 2010, switching between forward and defence. What do you think was the key in the remarkable turnaround from wooden spooners in 2010, like we sort of touched on, to top four in 2011? Um, Chris Marson said to us it was about having everyone on the park um, at one time. Is that right? Yeah, so we sort of... Um, it's a couple of things. I guess, like, we, we had... Um, if you like it or not, like... This, it's a range of factors, and injuries are always a factor in, in a side doing well in September and um, having having the top caliber players on the park. That's that's, that's a given. But um, for us, I think we have to, you know, changing culture. You can you can change your culture to the negative um, so quickly in, in a few you know instances or or, or, or things and. Changing your culture for the positive, and we had to do that from from the culture, I guess, the off-field culture that was perceived to be Eagles in 06, 07, um, and before that. Being able to change that culture and, and change that climate to um, what it is today, that it, it really values family and the values of being a part of the community, what you can do to the community, and being a role model. We went through extensive um, cultural changes. We had workshops, we had core value workshops, and, and and I guess um, in that that era, we kind of the footy club asked a few um, players that you know weren't the right fit or weren't buying into that new positive culture to leave the footy club. And some of those players were were you know the top ten in the club, the top five in the club as well. And obviously that has an impact, but it's something that the club had to go into go through before. Um, you know, have real habit for having that change, and, and and we did that, and then obviously 2010, um, we finished last, and then um, we had a few we drafted really well, Andrew Gaff, Jack Darling, um, just to name a few, and 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 then combine the talent with a really supportive, um, great culture, um, you can rise really quickly, and I always remember, um, you know, talking to. to someone about this and you go <clears throat> there's some differences between the top club um, administratively um, and cultural wise in the, in, the, in the AFL industry and um, the clubs that are well ran uh, both front office and the back office and, and as a playing group they tend to they'll, they'll always have dips in, in, in where you finish up at the end of the year but they'll um, get back on top really quickly and I see Hawthorne as one of those examples you know you miss the eight and then you're straight back up there mm. and you you're on to rebuilding and and it's it's never been clubs like that clubs like the Eagles never really talk about a rebuilding phase they're always just building building yeah. nurturing um celebrating just the no, never difference between some of the top clubs yeah um and that and that's just my opinion but um and we were one of those and, and because of we had I guess um <clears throat> and the late Phil Walsh came on board too um as a sort of strategy coach with us, and he, he was amazing, had amazing influence on the way um, we saw um, the defence and, and as a total team defence, and I guess it gave birth to the Eagles web, which came about in 2015, And but it was always the makeup of years before that and, and playing total team defence and, and having Subiaco Oval as a, as a big oval, but it was quite thin, so you could really trap teams if you played total team defense. And we really got a hold of that, and um, you know, we, we managed to get on top and make a prelim final in twenty or 
prelim final, I think, in 2012 or a qualifying final or something like that in 2012. And then obviously a grand final, which um, uh, performed pretty poorly in 2015. But, um, yeah, it's, it's about sort of nurturing a good culture and, and combining that with um, with great talent. There's always awesome talent coming through and if the, the, the leaders of that footy club can um, be great role models, those young guys learn very quickly, as I did when I first got to the footy club, how to, how to be an AFL footballer. And, um, and that's where you get sustained success as the Eagles um, have shown it since the you know, inauguration um, back in the late 80s. Yeah, opposite of uh, Freo, I'm a Freo supporter, so yeah, they're always rebuilding. <laughs> yeah. I, I was always, um, funny study, I've got, got the utmost respect for Freo because I don't wish to have a link to stand on. I think I played about 10 derbies, Western derbies, and I not never won one. So I don't know if there's a, there's a crazy stat on that, but I've, I've never, unfortunately, never won a Western derby, so I... I I'd imagine that's why I think Simo stopped picking me for the West Coast late in my career. Yeah. It'd, it'd just be a bad omen. But, um, mm. you know, Fruit Frio, they've obviously had their runs of success as well. And, um, you know, it, being a footballer in WA, is, I, I loved it because, you know, you, the two-team town, the, the supporters are amazing, really supportive. And, and you do have that immense rivalry with a cross-town um, team and... Um, and, I do, and, and speaking of Freo now, and, and, and Justin Longmuir and that, love Longy, have the utmost respect for him. I think they're in good hands there yeah. um, as they develop. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what were some of the main points you and the other defenders like Darren Glass, Eric McKenzie and Will Schofield tried to focus on when locking down tall forwards? And uh, who were some of the best opponents that you had to try and shut down? Um, so at that stage... Um, and before, I guess, 2015, and that we're really building that total team defense. But we're trying to mix it with a bit of a hybrid of um, the guys who could do lockdown jobs, um, doing their playing with their strengths and doing that job, whilst the guys of Shannon Hearn, Brad Shepherd, and a few others being the, the playmakers and, 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 and those kind of things. So um, <clears throat> I, I, I was incredibly blessed to play alongside Darren Glass. I think I'm sure I can speak to speak to, to Will uh, Will Schofield and Eric McKenzie as well. We basically were the best, um, one of the best defenders to ever play, and and the way he he went about it, and um, and for us, you know, it was simple, and that's why I really enjoyed defend defenders. I remember Andrew Embry telling me once that um, defenders are, are washed up forward, and in my case, I started as a forward and ended up moving to defence, um, but. Garcia just made it simple. He's just like you, you defend first. You defend first. You stop your man, and then you can have an input impact on the game. And mm. um, and and people tend to forget that being a defender back it's changed now. Is when no one really defends. Um, people disagree with me with this, but no one really defends anymore. They just sort of um, play loose and try and read the better the footy better than than the forward, but. When we're playing sort of lockdown roles and that, you're you're behind, um, you're you're underdone from the word go because one, you're under the pump. If you make a mistake, it will most likely cost you a goal against. Um, if I'm playing as a forward, if I make a mistake, the ball will just get uh, picked up and kicked to the wing or, or whatever, and that's all right. It's not too much damage, but if the defender, you make a mistake, it's a goal. Um, and then, um, and then the other thing too is when the ball comes down, it's 
usually in the if it's coming for, towards you um, as a defender, the, the ball's in opposition hands um, and they're looking for your forward. So you're going to be outweighed in terms of where the ball is going. It's going to favour the forward and, and, and those kind of things. And So it's incredibly tough, but um, you still love when, and, you know, we should come up to and, and Timo and come up to you in the hallway and go, Brownie, you, you want you want Franklin this week? You want Franklin? You want Buddy Franklin? Um, or you, there were times where you, you think you can do the job on Eddie Betts? And, and you're like, yep, yep, coach, I can do this. I want to do this. I want to do this for you. I want to do this for, for, the, for the boys in the footy club. And, and then it was a simple role. You stop the man, stop Eddie Betts, stop Franklin. Um, and that, that was simple. And it, was just, and it just gave, gave me as a defender so much clarity to, to do my job and try and do it well. Um, so that that was just sort of the mindset, and I remember we we sort of tagged ourselves as the um, we had a bit, a bit of a mantra as the Bulls. We called ourselves the defenders, the Bulls, um, and it was off the back of an NFL, a really good NFL defensive unit. They called themselves the Bulls, and um, we really, really wanted to, to capture, even if it was dirty football, not like in terms of skill wise, um, dirty football wise, play fair, um, but. We we call ourselves the Bulls and, and really support each other as a defensive unit. And, um, I guess that formed the basis of the total team defense that we wanted to play, and um, that came into fruition. And when we had that that really amazing run and got to the twenty fifteen grand final, and, um, and then and then obviously the injection of Jeremy McGovern, amazing amazing player, and, um, and now Brad Brad Shepherd and Liam Duggan playing all that. I guess that role of that hybrid. Um, defense attack kind of a role, and it's really revolutionised footy. Yeah, um, and and the way um, teams defend now. Yeah, definitely. Um, so in 2012, you spent much of your time at down at East Fremantle, helping them reach a waffle grand final, but um, still got recognised as the best clubman. Did this mean much to you? And even though it didn't eventuate, what was the thought process in requesting a trade to St Kilda? Yeah, so that that's a, that's a tough. That was a tough decision for me to make. Um, to be honest, looking back on it, I, did, like, I, I didn't want to make the decision. Like sometimes you're like, hey, I, it, it seems like the easy option. Right? And and I, I remember that. Um, I remember I sort of didn't play most of that year, and, and that's why I was never, never really, never a bitter person to get when I when I got dropped. I was like, all right, okay, yeah, thanks, thanks, Bush, for that feedback. All right, I'm gonna head down to each from Animal, make their captain's run, show the boys that I'm committed and um, and focus on winning and singing that song with, with each from Animal. And that's how I've looked to it and always had a really positive attitude on that. And in 2012, um, I did that. And, um, you know, I played a support role and um, Aaron McKenzie and, and Darren Glass were having an amazing year that year and um, sort of came in um, when Glassy needed a rest and then try and perform my role. And, and that was okay. And um, both Glassy and... and and Eric were um, injured in, in round 22. The last game we played Hawthorne, who were on top of the ladder at that stage. Um, it was a Friday night against the And I, I came in, never, hadn't really played league footy all year, AFL footy all year. And, and Wushu goes, right, Brown, he's going to play um, Friday night footy. Um, it's first versus fourth or something like that. Um, round 23, we're probably going to play Hawthorne in the finals. Um, <clears throat> and then... Um, yeah, and said, you've you got, got a job on Franklin. And uh, I'm like, yeah, okay, cool, thanks. Awesome, I finally get my chance. 
um, straight Friday night, Friday night light of MCG, um, in front of 80,000 fans on Franklin all day. And I stepped into it. Um, first quarter, Franklin um, kicked three goals on me, three or four goals, straight up, like first 10 minutes, whack, whack, whack. I broke my nose as well. Um, so was blood, blood was missing out. Um, came back on, I was like, I'm not, I don't know what I'm going to do. Here. And then <clears throat> coming back to the, the, the goal square, and, and um, Franklin was getting into me. And, but he's nice, Dave. We always sort of got along with each other. And um, I remember he was getting to me. They had the, the, the Wayne Carey rule, they called it a duck rule, and where the, the Hawthorne players just escaped the, the forward 50, and it was just me and Franklin in the goal square, no one else, and I was just like shitting myself. And um, at the MCG, and I remember behind me, I'm popping abuse from the, from the cheer squad behind me. Um, and, I'm, and the funny thing is, boys, the, the cheer squad was the Eagles cheer squad behind me. It wasn't. wasn't, wasn't wasn't the Hawthorne cheer squad, and and um, and I, I, I must admit it wasn't all the Eagles cheer squad. I, I know some uh, some amazing members in that that Melbourne cheer squad. Um, but it was, I remember someone yelling out, "You're gonna be in the waffle, Brownie, already!" You and just get into me. And, um, I just put my head down and tried to pull that out of me. And then um, the last three quarters, managed, managed to keep him goalless and, and minimal touches, and um, and then. So we got back. We read those days. We got back, um, and I had a huge influence in East Fremantle's finals campaign as well. And they had their last game before their final series about to start. And they played um, Saturday the next day, and we were in Melbourne on the Friday night. And um, we flew in um, from Melbourne, we got in about four a.m. because those days we used to fly straight after the game. And it was late, late game. We got in at four a.m. and then. I was up first thing in the morning, did my recovery with the boys, and drove down to Mandra to watch the boys play um, Peel Thunder in a, in a game. And, um, it was a dead rubber game, but I thought it was important to, to be there. And I was really tired, I had a broken nose, but um, I, I sat in the coach's box, tried to help out um, the guys that day. And um, <clears throat> I remember someone asking me, what the hell are you doing down here, Brownie? Like, what are you doing? You played last night. And I just felt like... Um, like I, I had to be there and, and, and to show to those guys in the waffle that it, you know, it wasn't just, just one of these guys coming down to, to, to get 30 touches and, and get my spot back in the AFL mm. system. I, I wanted to, to gain that respect. And, and then the following week, we ended up you know, winning the next three games and, and, and getting East Romano into an AFL grand final. And I had a, a, a waffle grand final. We lost that game, but... Played really well, and I just I thought to myself, and I, I had um, St Kilda reach out to me after that, and was like obviously feeding you a lot of things and saying you, you, you know I felt like I should be playing in a in a in a league team somewhere, um, and I was sort of thinking, geez, am, am I going to sit here in the waffle um, for the next three or four years? So at some at some point, you got to go. Well, you got to look after yourself, and yeah. I didn't want to do it. I remember sitting in the exit meeting as you always know, playing two with a coach, and I said to Bush, "I was like, I didn't play much this year, and you know what? I'm, you know what? I'm going to you know, go away off season, keep fit, train my bum off, and, and I want to force my way into this team, um, and 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 make you pick me. I'm going to make you make me pick." And I, I walked away from that meeting. I was like, "Yeah, sweet, awesome. Um, forget about." Bit about anything else, and then I got a phone call from from St Kilda, and um, 
Jamie Graham was at St Kilda that time too, and, and he's a really good friend, and he sort of had a chat with me. And I was like, well, Chris, I originally said no. I said no. And you know, you know the thing that, that made me, to take, I said no to their meeting. And the thing that, that sort of changed my mind in, in terms of meeting with them uh, was I said no. Um, and then I said, <laughs> this is literally what I said to them. I said, hey, guys, thank you. Thanks, Scotty Waters. Thanks, Scott. Um, but I, I, I feel like I can't even take a meeting with you because I, I don't want to feel like I'm going behind the Eagles' back. Um, so I'm going to refuse this meeting. And then the thing that changed it was then they came back to me and said they reached out to the Eagles and um, and the Eagles responded and said, yeah, yeah, no, no, you're okay to, to speak to Mitch, you can speak to Mitch. And I kind of felt like, oh, oh okay, all right. But that was the first time I was like, oh, maybe there's a bit of doubt there. Maybe, they, okay, the Eagles don't really have me in their future plans. So I took the meeting and I said to my, my wife at the time, I was like, it, pretty much going to be something that I cannot refuse to, to let me entertain the idea. Um, and then I walked into the meeting and they, yeah, <laughs> gave me an offer that I couldn't refuse. And, and for, a, for a guy that, you know, a little bit of a fringe player, but then managed to, to play footy when I was getting healthy, um, it was a pretty good, pretty good deal. And I couldn't refuse it. And I remember I was just, I went on a footy trip with the Eagles um, not long after that. And I was just felt sick and I was, the news came out that I asked for a trade, and and um, <laughs> I remember, um, I remember, and because I just got uh, lucky enough to get awarded the, the club now, I don't do things to get awarded, but the Chris Lane wearing award, and I knew how much I was sort of perceived, and what kind of a member I was perceived in that footy club, and the influence I was having, and I just felt sick. I remember Busher calling me, and, and I actually love Busher; I think he's an amazing guy. And, uh, <laughs> he called me in the typical Wisher style. He, he goes, he goes, Mitch, you've asked for a trade, have you? Well, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> I said, okay, yep, yeah. yep, yes, Wisher. And then hang up, hung up, and then that was it. Um, and then Secura really kept pushing and pushing, but it was never going to happen. Um, and there was never, never a doubt from, from my end to, to turn up on day one of pre-season. Um, and, had lost the respect of the boys. No way. They understand. Everyone understands. Um, sometimes this happens. The guys change clubs all the time. But um, but the fact is, I, I like I, I never wanted to leave. Um, and I guess that 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 kind of ended in the result. I didn't end up leaving, and then I ended up signing a, a three or four year contract that mm. took me to the end of my career. And um, and, I, and I and I'm really grateful that I, that I stayed with the, with that club that I love. Um, and hopefully. Um, have left a legacy at that mm. footy club. Um, you know, when I was, you know, I just mentioned, you, know, you, you talk about players, or I spoke about Rowan Jones for most of my career and guys like that and, and Brett Jones and um, Ash Hanson and, and Adam Stolwood and Brett Stake and those guys. And, and then hopefully you kind of look at some of the stories that are going through the corridors at the moment. They're probably not this way, but you'd, you'd like to think there's some stories about, um, you know, Mitch Brown and how he went about it. Mm. Um, not on, not only on field, but more importantly off field, locker room, and those kind of things. So, um, I mean, that's that, that's more important to me. Yeah. Um, so to be perceived in that way. Yeah, it's been uh, well publicised that you were dating netball star Shay Bolton from the Fever, who's now, of course, your wife. Um, it seems a pretty talented family, but how much did the media and people bring that bring that um up? So the um. Oh, you know, it's just a, 
we um we met each other in twenty in two thousand nine, and um, we just we just lived similar lives, and we were both from Victoria, and um, we we had a very limited support network over in, in Perth, so we kind of really got well, we supported each other, and um and and obviously Mary and now we got, we got a, a child, a beautiful baby boy together, and but at the time, obviously, sometimes Perth is this little this fishbowl, and there's these things of personalities and people say, oh, you know, with Perth, and you don't have to be too much to be a, a, a celebrity or a degraded celebrity. And um, oh, the fact that it was just a, you know, she was she was a netballer and, and I was a footballer, and we'd support each other, and it made some good press for the people who really cared. Most people didn't care. Um, and we both, Jay and I, have similar values. We never really loved too much of the media spotlight. Although, although like um, we we're both pretty humble players in ourselves, so um, it really didn't really factor for us. I mean, for for us, um, we we lived a really cool lifestyle where we you know got to play our professions on the weekend, but then during the week we we got days off and we got to spend each other, we got to support each other in you know in our sporting pursuits and. In, even the stuff around nutrition and um, the off seasons, you know, it made it hard to keep fit, made it easy to keep fit over the off season because um, your partner was was helping to get you up. You know, you go on holidays, you get up and, and do sprints and, and strides and weights and that because you, you, you're competitive nature and you're trying to challenge each other to get better. Um, so really fortunate and um, to to and then to, to this day she she um, she pushes pushes me to get the absolute best out of myself as she did when I was playing footy so I owe her a lot um, and, I, and I'm really grateful to have met her even throughout my footy career and even coming through some of those challenges that I had through my footy career I wouldn't have made it through and 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 learned how to how to get through with without her yeah yeah fair yeah, enough she's an incredible human yeah of course uh, your last game happened to be that elimination final loss to the Bulldogs at Subiaco in 2016 and we all know what happened to them afterwards in that final series but it wasn't the ideal way to go out but there uh, is it true that uh, they, the West Coast were going to keep you uh, on at the club the year after but then yeah. they changed their minds choosing Sam Mitchell for one year and how painful was that as you returned to St. Kevin's in the amateurs yeah like I mean um, yeah I got, four, I got back in, in 2015 I did my knee um, and that was just the, you know, the, the, the way a footy plays out. And my my um, great mate, you know, Eric McKenzie, um, was all Australian the, first, the year before that. And he was destined to have an amazing year in, in 2015. Um, and it was cut short in that game, <coughs> Danny Manager in the Mad Cup, where he did his knee. And, and then I, I came in, and Simo coming up to me and goes, It's your back on now. And um, Darren Glass obviously wasn't around at that stage. And, and I finally felt the first time in my career was my chance to, you know, to really own it and have a really amazing year. And this is in 2015. And then um, round one, 2015, the Bulldogs, I, I did, it was my turn to do my knee again. Um, and I remember looking up at <laughs> looking up at the, the, stand, the stadium roof at, at the um, Stockland Stadium and just thinking, that's it, I'm never going to be back. That's, I'm done here. Yeah. Um, and then I <clears throat> did my rehab and then following year 2016, in the, mad, in the sort of practice games again, I I got my finger caught up in a in a jumper and um, sort of had to get surgery and a really innocuous injury and it was, it was just a rare injury and 
I missed 16 weeks of that, that year, the last year of my contract, and I was like, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do here. I'm definitely done, and I managed to fight my way back and, and and get back into the side, and I said to Tim, I'll, I'll play anywhere, I'll do the role for the team, and, I, and Nick Nat knew he was out at that stage, and, and, I, and I put my hand up to Ruck, and I, for those of you who remember, I, I, was, I, I was rucking in the last couple of games of my career, including that final, yeah. uh, rucking and playing forward, and and that was actually my first final of my career, and, and I kind of knew it was going to be, might be my last game of my career. So, it was, um, you know, I remember after that game, I was in tears. I remember I took off my jumper and laid my jumper um, on the, the washing pile, and, and I kind of knew it was the last time I'd do that, and, and I was just inconsolable. And, um, <clears throat> And because at that stage, I mean, um, about a month early, I was told by by the management the Eagles that I was not likely to get a contract at that stage. Um, and and to be honest, to get to be, I was I was told that, and then I was sort of I was playing at that time, so kind of yeah, you kind of go out to put your heart and soul into that pretty pretty game as I like to think I did, and and to know that you're probably you're not a wanted player, um, it's hard to do. Um, and then so myself and my wife were just like making arrangements like, okay, hey, we're not going to be here, I'm not a wanted player. That's okay, we know footy, no hard feelings, I love this footy club and they've got to make decisions too compared to the footy club and I'm not bigger than the footy club and um, that's okay. And, and I remember, so that's why I thought my, the final that I played was my last game and then after that, just out of the blue, I got a phone call and, and the Eagles um, changed their mind and said, oh, we, we want you to play on for two years. Um, albeit as a supporting player in the waffle and and, and for me I, I was just being honest and I already had made my, my wife at that stage was already committed to a team um, back here in Melbourne um, and it made it tough we were like the club told us that um, told me that I wasn't a required player and so we made arrangements made arrangements and, um, and then that all changed and, and then I, I remember sitting down and say guys I respect I thank you so much it, I would love, obviously, love an opportunity to play here at this footy club, and 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 to, to even to have a supporting role for the younger players in the last twilight of my career. And um, <clears throat> but I need to, I need to still explore my options um, because of that notion of maybe playing in the waffle, and and um, and my wife's going back to Melbourne and, and those kind of things. And and I guess uh, whilst I'm exploring my options, the, the Sam Mitchell sort of opportunity came up, and um, it's sort of, for me, it's, it's, yeah, I remember I got a phone call um, out of the blue and, and there's, yeah, the guys of the Eagles and, and, and they were pretty upset because they know that um, they didn't want to do it. Um, but they basically said we're kind of, we're kind of revoking the, the contract and, and at that stage too, I hadn't really made up my mind too, so I kind of left it on the table too. It was no one's fault. Um, some, some say I might have left it too long to make up my mind and left it open for them for other opportunities, which is okay, it's business. But, um, I could hear the devastation, and, and we all had a little bit of a cry, um, all of us um, that was on the phone call, and and, um, and that, that was it. That was it. That was, that was the end of it, and, and um, the notion that I, I got sacked and those kind of things, it was never like that. And, and, and Sam is an amazing guy. I know Sam a little bit. An um, amazing guy, and he, he had a, a, a really crucial role Coming to that forty club, albeit for a year, and, and then coaching um, after that, and and, and I'm great. And, and, and for me to, to finish up, um, to, to let someone like that, a Al, 
um, coming to the footy club and having the influence of the younger players. Um, that 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 was that kind of left me with you know that that was that was okay. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, it's, it's, it's obviously in the off season too, and I didn't have a I didn't get a chance to, to, to say goodbye to, to my teammates in a sense of that, that playing playing environment and and the, the way it sort of came out in the media as well. Like I, I was blindsided and I was just a little bit bitter, but I was never bitter, and I just was a bit upset that I didn't get a chance to say goodbye to the amazing staff at the footy club as well. Um, in that time, um, but it, but yeah, it's it's yeah, it's the, the amazing administrators of the, of the Eagles that I've got to know, Trevor Nisbet. Um, you know they. They're, they're, they're great people and they've created an amazing club a successful club too and they're, they're great for, for, for a reason is they're very talented and they, they know what they're doing too so um, <clears throat> for me no hard feelings at all and, and, and I, you know you, you look back on it and you go hey I've, I had an amazing amazing career and, and I look back and I've no regrets and um, not better one bit in fact I'm grateful for that footy club and the way they supported me and, and gave me an opportunity to learn not only as a footballer and, and get the best out of my footballing ability, but get the best um, out of me as a person so I could take that on as a gift from the footy club to, to this next phase of my life. Yeah, it's good. You always uh, got to look at the positives. Uh, a couple more, Brownie. It's a bit, a, a bit of a longer episode, but that's all right. Um, I'm assuming you would have kept in contact with some of the lads and viewed you know, bits and pieces of their games. Who are some of the best mates um, you've had and are there any coaches sprays from along the way that you might have had to deal with that you're willing to share? Um, some of the best coaches sprays <laughs> were in fact when I was my East Randall days and I was <laughs> playing the second season down East Randall and uh, from Dave Dunbar, some of your listeners would know, remember Dave Dunbar and um, Shane Woden was one of my coaches, yeah. gave one of the all, and, and Steve Malaxoff had, had an amazing sprays as well, and I was discovering. Um, took us to that 2012 grand final in the Waffle. And, but um, same way, we only got into a good friend, Jacob Brennan, uh, who played the Eagles as well. Um, one game and just, just got into him at half, calling him a, a millionaire, trying to take the specky as a backman, and he, and, he, and he didn't take the grab and he <laughs> got a goal kick, kick against him. I remember same way, just going, a millionaire! You're a millionaire! Just getting into him. And, and um, I didn't know Jacob at that time. And um, ended up being you know, really good mates with him, and um, that was one of the best plays. Wusher used to give a nice little play. It was quite measured um, in his approach. Um, it was always Wusher's. We played a bad game. He would stand at the players' race and just just stare at us as we walk with our heads down um, towards him, just stare, and that would hurt. That would bloody hurt that one because um, you, you, you know, everyone, the boys loved Wusher, and we didn't want to let him down. And he was a tough player, and he made you really feel it. Um, for that, but um, yeah, so some of those sprays, some of the best mates in the footy club. I mean, it was a really inclusive footy club, um, as I sort of mentioned at the start. Sam Butler, who is over here in Melbourne at the moment, who we'll still really get along with really well. Um, so we supported Charlie Eric McKenzie, uh, another one, Will Schofield, and um, Fraser McGuinness, workhorse. These guys, um, well, you know, quite well. He's been on the show, and yeah. um, um, Jacob Brennan. Um, so you just come past Brad Shepherd, Big Dad Nui, um, and Brad Eber, who's obviously in Port Adelaide at the moment, but played, played a little bit with the Eagles. But you kind of get along with, with everyone. It was a really inclusive club. So um, yeah, even, even, you know, the off-field um, 
sort of staff, now you get to know really well the physios. For me, the physios um, got to know really, really well because you're obviously injured a lot. But um, yeah, obviously, you can't keep in touch with everyone, um, but um, you've got these long lasting memories that you share for that period of your life with some incredible people. Yeah, um, we. Yeah, we've had a few West Coast Eagles on the show. I think we've had Chris Marston, Brent Staker, obviously you, um, Andrew Embley, yeah, Fraser McInnes. Yeah, a few, few of the boys we've had on. Yeah, so everyone, everyone sort of, it's just a pretty culture where you get along with each other. It doesn't matter who you're going out for lunch with. You grab that person, whoever's in the closest, closest to you at the pigeonhole where your keys are. You go, let's go for lunch, go have lunch, and then you come back. And um, Yeah, so it was always like that. And, and uh, it could, it obviously, it, it breeds into how they play today. Pretty, they look like they're having fun and, mm. and really close bond um, that they've got. Yeah, that I can see. Yeah, and uh, lastly, before a quick fan uh, question we received, it is prelim final week. Uh, who are we going to see playing in the grand final? So, who are your tips to take the two games? Uh, well, I've got um, a really close mate that works with um, Brisbane Vines an analyst and. Um, and he, yeah, I've obviously followed the Lions quite closely, and um, yeah, they're, they're a young team, and, and I really love um, Chris Fagan and what he's done at that footy club, and obviously the influence of Hodge and Virtual, um, and that is, I'd love to see Brisbane um, play off in a grand final. I think that they've definitely deserved it. And, um, obviously, Geelong's been amazing for a great a long amount of time. You, you think that they have the caliber. To get in there and again, but um, I, I, I just mentioned my my good mate Brad Ebert, and um, I think I'd love for him to taste a bit of success um, as mm-hmm. well. So I'd, you know, for me, I think Port Adelaide and, and, and Brisbane Lions that'd be some sort of final to watch. Um, obviously Richmond and, and Geelong are high caliber teams that are that are um, that, you know can't shy away from them sort of making it to that last uh, that that um, that grand final. But for me, Brisbane and um, Port Adelaide. Mm, yeah, it's good that you know when your your mates are involved and amongst it. But as you said, Bray, Q and A from Neve underscore Hayes on Instagram. Um, how did you feel leading up to your first game in the AFL? Which, of course, you know was in fact the round one of two thousand and seven in the grand final replay against the Swans, which you touched on. Yeah, so I, oh, for me, it was, it's just I think I'm still very young and obviously very young at that stage and. Um, I remember all the hype, and as I said, I was at the game. The very the game before that game was the, the 06 Grand Finals. I was there watching as a fan, just a just a nuffy fan, and um, <laughs> and then Bill and I, the very next game, I'd be running out on that field in the Grand Final rematch at the Olympic Stadium in Sydney with eighty thousand people there. And um, oh, this is a weird weird thing to say, but I wasn't nervous one bit. I was just it was, it was surreal. I was just like, wow, this, this is actually happening. Um, jump on, get to jump on a plane and go fly across in a hotel. You got the buffet. Sounds really silly, but when you're going, you're just like, "Wow, this is awesome!" Then go to training and get to train at the, the stadium, and you're just like, "Wow, this, this is amazing!" And you, then the night happens, and um, I just remember I was, I was the coach push put me full forward and um, to the first bounce, and um, just watching the ball go up and. And the fans and the noise and just everything it was, it was it was a moment that I still have real vividly in my my mind. I'd 
Um, Teddy Richards played on me. I never forget it. The, the first person to ever kick me the ball for my first pass was Rowan Jones in the wing. Um, marked the ball, and and um, that was my first touch of AFL footy. And uh, obviously, we played really good in the first half, and we're up by like 50, 30, 40 or something points. And um, it's like this is how good this. I had fourteen touches or something in the first half, and um, it was amazing. And then then I cramped in the third quarter. The Swans came back and. Obviously, as you know, the record. Um, we managed to win by one point. Daniel Kurz made that amazing tackle. Um, he's on McVeigh or, or someone, I can't remember. Um, as he was having a shot of the goal, and the siren went, and we won the game. Mm. Um, I remember, yeah, just getting like cheered off the game, um, off the ground. Um, and then getting the gay rate shower and everything. So, this is this, like, this is amazing. This is the best thing I've ever experienced. So, mm. Um, I can I can still vividly remember everything about that 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 first game yeah. like it was yesterday. Yeah, probably no better feeling. But um, Mitch, that's all we have for you to, on the show today. It's been uh, great, um, you know, to catch up with you and look back at at what's happened. Um, all the best for the family and everything moving forward. And once again, thanks for coming on. No worries, guys. Thanks for having me. And um, yeah, thanks to all the supporters and all that out there. I still think of you and. and the Eagles supporters as, as you know part of the parcel that's got getting me through those 10 years of footy so um, thank you to everyone thanks Mitch thanks Mitch thanks guys Mitch Brown hanging up there Brian what a, a episode it's going to be next week uh, a monster grand final preview looking yeah, forward to that one a monster potential guest as well mm. we might have lined up so yeah, yeah it's going to be a great show we next week get in uh, get a hold of him but um Tyler, um, highly recommended that you follow our socials at Centre Square Podcast. You can stay up, updated with that and all our posts and stories of the Centre Square Podcast on 91.3 Sport FM, your football headquarters. Catch you then.